Hello, everyone. Welcome to the CoinFast podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Hancock. And today, a very special guest uh, is uh, Dominic Frisby. He's someone I've been following for uh, pretty much most of my fi- uh, investing career over the very short time I've been in the UK. Uh, Dominic is a writer, a financial guru, a podcaster, a voiceover actor, a comedian, a crypto investor, a comedy club MC, and a boxing MC, as I found during my research. Uh, so, uh, Dominic, thank you very much for coming on the show and, and tell us what you're working on at the moment. Uh, well, thanks very much for having me, uh, Jeff. Uh, odd job man. I've always been uh, an odd job man and found myself falling into weird jobs, but I haven't done any uh, boxing MCing for about 15 years. But um, I did, used to do it for Satanta. I don't know if you remember Satanta Sports, which was the Irish sports company that went bust in the financial crisis. <laughs> and so my uh, short-lived career as a, as a boxing MC went bust with it. But wow. um, yeah, so what, what am I doing at the moment? Well, I'm in lockdown, um, but I live my life in lockdown anyway. I spend most of my life in this room writing stuff and um, watching the world through the medium of my computer. And I'm just carrying on doing that at the moment, watching it. I don't know if it's me or the world, but it seems to be going more insane by the day. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, for some of your narratives or some of your, you know, creative, uh, you know, creative juices, sometimes that might be really helpful. Yeah, well, it does. It does. I mean, normally I can just go on Twitter and <laughs> within about five minutes of reading it, I've got a new song. <laughs> Great. So let's just go back through, you know, some of your, uh, I suppose, uh, past highlights, you know, some of the notes I've taken out here from our researcher, you know, uh, some of the stuff you've written in the past, you know, very strong towards me is the the whole crypto uh, and Bitcoin life. So you wrote uh, Bitcoin, Future of Money. You know, what was your what was your kind of first introduction to crypto and Bitcoin that made you want to write that book? Well, what it was is um, I, I wrote a book called Life After the State in 20. I actually wrote it in 2012 and it's published in 2013. And um, the big argument of life after the state was that if we are to claw back power from uh, our governments, if we're to stop government growing and growing and growing, we need to take back control of money. We need apolitical money. We need a system of money uh, that that governments can't print willy nilly when it suits them. Mm. And until we have that, even if you've got the most, you know, small government libertarian in power, government will still inevitably grow. And so I argued in that book very strongly for gold. And then literally while I was writing it, I started getting emails from people going Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. I was reasonably, um, people sort of followed my stuff in Money Week and I'd always champion gold. And so in Life After the State, there was like half a page about Bitcoin. And then um, by the time Life After the State was published, Bitcoin went on one of its first um, banana uh, moves. It went to 1200 uh, dollars do you remember that when when a price what? of bitcoin first got to the same as a price of gold I, th- I think it would have been november 2013 yeah i was and still, i was like oh my god yeah i was uh, not even involved in bitcoin at that point my first exposure well, to bitcoin was 2014 probably just after that crash and it was closer to 800 to a thousand or something like that maybe it's the way back up yeah and my first well it exposure... went all the way back to 180 yeah in that yeah. in that first oh, wow. crypto that winter is, yeah <laughs> uh my first exposure to crypto is helping a client well they they came to us to be a new client actually uh they got hacked massive ransomware and uh the only way to unlock it was to pay you know ten thousand worth of worth of bitcoin and um the client came to us they were financial services they had no backups you know so it was like we we need this can you can you come and help us please and took the job on uh had to learn about crypto in literally about a day 
send money off to I think it was Lithuania or Estonia, I can't remember. And we had these we had these bitcoins. Uh, Fortunately, really really nice hackers because they said you know just send us the, this flat amount, and it took us a few days to kind of get around it, etc. And the exchange rate had moved. And so we were left over with about 60, 70 Bitcoins at the time and completely forgot about them until about 2017. Like, where's that virtual machine with the, it, it gone. So that was my first exposure yeah. to losing a wallet with about 60 Bitcoins in it. Uh, painful. It's happened to a lot of us. I got hacked. And unfortunately, I lost all of mine way back when. So, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. I remember one of the first times I bid for Bitcoin, I didn't really understand it. And I saw that you could get the physical bitcoins or on eBay, and so I I put a bid for. Do you remember those physical yeah, bitcoins? Yeah, I've got one here. Actually. <laughs> uh, have you? Uh, fantastic. And, and so I I put a bid in for one, and and I don't like to chase things. And uh, I remember I put a bid, and I was like the lead bidder at about ten dollars, and it ended up going for twenty eight dollars, which is more than Bitcoin was trading for at the time. Wow. And I'm like, I'm not paying twenty eight. I'm not paying a premium. <laughs> I'm not paying <laughs> so a premium. So I never got it. But, That's yeah. great. And um, has that kind of led into, you know, what you do with, uh, are you still involved with Cypherpunk Holdings, the, the Canadian crypto um, um, holding company? Well, no, I'm not actually. My father died in the spring and, and I just had so much going on. I, I just couldn't allocate the necessary time to that. So I stood down, but it's in capable hands still. Great. And um, the story, the whole privacy narrative company to invest in privacy tech, that was all sort of my invention. But John Matonis is there, Mo Adams there. And uh, it's looking pretty good. Very dynamic new CEO. Great, excellent. And was that was that kind of more of a, a, a trading fund, or you know, like traditional finance, or who was that kind of for? No, well, the idea was it was a listed company. It was a listed vehicle in oh, Canada, wow. listed in Canada uh, on the uh, CSE. And the idea was is that it would use that shell to invest in 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 both in Bitcoin privacy coins. And in also in privacy tech, in tech. companies. Wow. Okay. And but specifically privacy tech. Um, and at the time, I was very, very bullish about, you know, Monero, Zcash, Beam, um, Grin, all the privacy coins, Dash to a certain extent. Mm. And the other two, John and uh, Mo, my two co-directors, were much more Bitcoin maximalists than me. And John would make the argument that we don't need privacy coins because privacy layers will be added to Bitcoin. And I was quite heavily persuaded to that argument. I became much more of a Bitcoin maximalist. Mm. And, you know, because just because of the huge network, like Bitcoin's value is in its network and yeah. Bitcoin's network effect compared to the other cryptocurrencies is, is just huge. And so we invested in things like Samurai Wallet and Wasabi Wallet and these, you know, coin coin mixes and, 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 and privacy wallets and so on. And, and John's argument was that they would end up being being bigger than the privacy coins and we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see that but but that was the thinking behind that mm. and uh yeah just to go and obviously a really really strong proponent of the crypto space is privacy uh anonymity to, to a point and that's kind of come and spurred on this massive kind of DeFi boom are you doing any interest in the DeFi space have you looked at it any comments? oh man I, I i haven't really looked at it the, the problem i've got with bitcoin and crypto is that the whole space just moves so quickly and does, i just yeah. don't have the. it's a full-time job following it yeah and so i've just missed the whole DeFi thing just completely missed it um but i am slightly obsessed with 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 privacy and I really find interesting the, there is a dilemma there, you know, we should, we need to respect privacy, but people exploit privacy to do stuff that they shouldn't do. 
perhaps you know who's who's it for me to say that they shouldn't do it so there's and I've, I've always found that sort of contradiction interesting and you know what's going on at the moment in the uk with with um you know they've just found the vaccine and everyone we you know what's coming is everyone's going to have to take the vaccine uh um against uh, covid19 and and if you don't take it you're not going to be allowed to do stuff mm. And, you know, you just know that this it's compulsory vaccination and health passports and all that. And it's so authoritarian. And yet there is there is the other argument that, well, if you don't take the vaccine, you risk infecting people. So there's all sorts of interesting issues there. But um, I do think this this health passport, the NHS track and trace app and all this stuff um, is it's challenging times for libertarians. Mm. Although I think that was um, in the first maybe kind of few weeks of the initial outbreak back in back in March. You know, I barely got back from Europe. I think about three hours before they closed Paris. Um, and I think it was literally a week after that. So it might have been beginning of April. Um, there was a, you know, share my like um, encrypted data COVID switch uh, on the Apple iPhones. That wasn't included in any update. It was off by default, but it was like, have you seen this option on your phone? Is it on your phone? Yeah, where did that come from? So out of nowhere, there were these you know, almost track and trace built in operating system level stuff. Yeah. Un underneath underneath anything, this at all times. And that was a bit, that was a bit scary. Yeah. And anything on YouTube, especially podcast channels are harder to police, but anything on YouTube, Facebook, you know, if I was talking to you and critical about government policy towards COVID straight, straight away, back, the video was taken down. Oh, so we, it we, gives must, you... we must AB test that and see how it goes. <laughs> but it, well, it was it's not so bad now but it was really bad at the time um and you know they it just shows you how they're all in cahoots with each other okay not maybe not front of house but behind the scenes they definitely are and just while we're still on the crypto bit just a little bit just noticed uh, I'm, I'm i'm taking in all the the artwork in in your office there uh and i'm very very <laughs> jealous about it I, i've i've got a lot of stuff i wish i could put up my office but i kind of face a wall instead of have a, a wall behind me oh, okay um and tell, tell us a little bit about some of the uh yeah some of the artwork we've got there also the bitcoin future of money there well uh you got your new well, book daylight robbery which don't spoil that one for me because i'm not finished it yet <laughs> okay well that that's i, I just um you know you get your book covers and so much work goes into the book covers i always send it off to the uh to one of those um uh places where they print up the canvas and i so i've got canvas of all my books and all my edinburgh shows all over the wall but let me plug this one specifically shadow punk revolution yeah which is an audio book that um uh, me and a friend uh, me and a couple of well me and one friend wrote me and another friend did the music to um well, um it's it's a it's a sci-fi rock drama about invisibility and it's set 10 years into the future. And the idea is that that uh, these techno activists have invented invisibility coats to protect against state and corporate invasion of privacy. So exactly wow. what we're just talking about. And it's done to this most fantastic soundtrack by Asaf Zohar. Wow. You can get it on like Audible or any audiobook platform. But I, I really plug that one. And yeah. then that one, uh, Daylight Robbery, that's my new book about the past and present and future of, of taxation. And my idea, I used to think, as, as we said, that money, we need to change our money system if we're going to save the world. But I also think we need to uh, tax and money come hand in hand and tax is power. Mm. Um, you know, if you take away a government or a king or an emperor's tax revenue, you take away their power. And um, tax is destiny. You shape a society by the way you tax it, whether it's going to be free, prosperous, 
uh, subordinated, poor, all these things are governed by its tax system. And, you know, I've sort of retold history through this new prism mm -hmm. of taxation. And one of the things is, as you're discovering reading it, is that you can take pretty much any great event in history, any war, any conquest, any revolution, pretty much anything. And if you dig around, you'll find a tax story there underneath. And it's often an untold one. Mm. But even things like, you know, the birth of Christ, your Mary and Joseph were only in, in Bethlehem to pay taxes. That was the only reason we're there. So if they hadn't, wow. if Caesar Augustus hadn't levied that census, then um, Christianity could never have evolved in the way that it did. There's actually a tax story. Islam was built on low taxes. The reason it spread so quickly is that yeah. it's, it's huge tax reliefs granted wow. to conquered people. And even the only one where there's no, like every war is funded by tax. Every revolution is some kind of rising up against some kind of inequity perpetrated by the tax system. Every conquest is about taking control of the tax base, the land, the labor, the produce, the profit, and even natural disasters. There isn't really a tax story behind natural disasters, but there is always a tax story in the rebuilding effort mm. afterwards. So for example, the Great Fire of London no tax story there but then london was rebuilt on the, with the proceeds of a coal tax and and you take something like covid19 the current great natural disaster you know it's hard to find a tax story behind covid19 but what is paying for it all yeah you know debasing money which is you know inflation which is taxation without legislation debt which is a tax on the future and of course we're going into an era of much higher taxes and um, they're talking this this week about um higher capital gains tax and also in the uk taxing people for working from home if you work from I home just, you have to pay extra tax i thought that was a meme that i'd scroll past and then i saw it two or three times but oh it actually is a genuine piece of news yeah. because i thought like, i mean what, really oh, wow and yeah. uh, maybe that's part of the rebuilding uh narrative that you're just talking about trying to like remote yeah, it's, working it's is exactly a, what it is yeah remote working is a you know i've been doing it for over two years now uh you've been doing it for sounds like you know, uh, quite a lot of your career and for people all that my life always, yeah all of your life and for people that have you know always had that kind of you know safety bit i get up at this time in the morning i have my breakfast i get on the tube i go to work i see my friends because that's some of their social circle is being in an office you know the one beer after work on a tuesday or a friday or whenever it's going to be uh, and that's a part of their essential routine and their essential identity of how they develop their career and now you put all of that indoors it takes an incredible amount of discipline to stay fit. It takes an incredible amount of discipline to go to bed at the right time and, and to consume the right kind of media to keep your mental health. And now, you know, some people have found it very, you know, releasing that they've got a new lease on life out of, you know, all the, the suffering that's kind of gone on through COVID. And some people have, have had, you know, real mental breakdowns because of it. But now you want to introduce a tax to that to introduce, you know, trying to get people back into these offices and stuff like that. It is, you know, just as like you say, there's a cause and effect with... A, a natural disaster to what happens next yeah it's really bad and they're so hypocritical that they locked us down and now he wants to do another eat out to help out next month <laughs> like what which you do you want one, what do you want one extreme to the other yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it's but the um funnily enough there was there's a whole chapter in this in daylight robbery which i wrote a year before covid all about remote working digital nomads all this kind of thing and how it's going to be a huge growth thing into the future i talk about the future of taxation as well mm. and digital nomads um remote workers are going to be harder to tax now if they start taxing people from work for working from home 
people have just moved to homes where they can work from and not be taxed. Yeah, <laughs> they will. Um, you know, I, if, if I get taxed for working from home in England, I'll just move to France or something. Yeah, you do, th that's what will happen. The, not everyone um, can do that, but a lot of people will. Well, the people that have now found new opportunity from working from home, uh, even as an employer, you know, okay, we can't go out. You know, there's no networking and events going in London. You know, who's the best person for this job now? And we can look outside of our own borders. There's, you know, thousands sure. of people looking for work and they're, they're great at marketing. They're great at voiceovers. They're great at artwork and content writing and design and analytics. And, you know, from an employer's perspective, if you have no borders and you can choose the best talent, you get to source the best person regardless of the cost. You're not saying, I have to find someone yeah, that's willing to come to you South pay, London. You don't have to pay London wages anymore. Well, it's the London wage, wages. It's, it's the London wages bit, but it is that kind of you know mm. the idiosyncrasy goes with it. I have to find the right talent that's willing to come to Shepherd's Bush or willing to come to Mayfair or willing to come to wherever my office is. And you're always kind of putting that stake in the ground, so you're only going to get the people that are willing to come to you. Now you can flip that narrative on its head, which I find very cool. And I suppose mm. um, absolutely. What was the? Uh, I can't remember it was, whether it was somewhere in the Caribbean or over in Bermuda. They're offering you know year-long working visas with low tax for people to come and remote work from a tropical island. Like how 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 can you not beat that? I didn't know that, but it's. Um, I know they've they've built an entire city in China to attract nomadic workers. Wow, nomadic digital workers and. You know, people will go. They'll go to Lisbon for a bit. Lisbon's the kind of cool place at the yeah, moment. Yeah. Lisbon will be cool for a bit. And, you know, property's cheap and it's quite a nice standard of living. And then who knows, maybe it'll be Cartagena or Chiang Mai or whoever knows what the next place will be. Yeah. And the, 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 the workforce will move. And the evidence is that even when people have families, they uh, still continue to be digital nomads. They just home educate and do this kind of thing. Another thing that's happened because of COVID that's, COVID that's been accelerated is is home education. And, and um, you know, once people are on the move, they're like, why should I pay taxes if I don't use any of the services? Mm. And a lot of the time they will feel very little loyalty to the country of their birth, you know, because of the fact that they've been alienated either by taxes or high house prices or whatever it is. Mm. Um, it's a very interesting new dynamic. And the the workforce in 2035 will be 6 billion people. And of that, of the workforce, the global workforce, it's thought that two to three billion will be contingent workers, freelancers, people with multiple income streams, that kind of thing. And of that three billion, they reckon a third will be nomadic. So that's one billion uh, digital nomads by 2035. That's an ex not remote workers, digital nomads, mm. and it's an incredible number. Mm. COVID's only going to accelerate it because everyone's just going to go. You know, why be locked down in London when you can live free in in Stockholm or something? People just go to Stockholm. Yeah, you know, they'll just go where they can. Exactly. And I suppose you know that kind of relating back into you know the taxes narrative we've talked about about you know you do a lot of stuff in finance. We just noticed the uh, the other one in the background, the financial game show as well. I, I do remember seeing one of those oh, yeah. actually. They were really good fun. Um, your um, uh, documentary uh, from twenty thirteen as well, Four Horsemen. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, that was uh, incredibly popular. I think it was a bit earlier than twenty thirteen. I think it might have been about twenty eleven, but um, that was. A guy called Ross Ashcroft, who goes by the name of the Renegade Economist, uh, he <laughs> he uh, he well 
and he he uh, he uh, had written this film, and it was just a total mess. And so he asked me to go and rewrite it, and I rewrote it for him. Um, and you know, we spent this took months. We were in the edit suite, all jiggling it around, and and there was nothing about money in it. And I brought the whole stuff about fiat money and gold and all that to it. And um, and then it just became a huge, huge hit, nine million views or something on YouTube. And nobody who contributed to that film got paid. <laughs> Isn't that nice? And this Mr. Was... The uh, producers didn't pay anyone. Oh, wow. It was all profit share and they did the usual thing and kept it for themselves. Oh, that's that. Well, that's that, that kind of you know, says some of the uh, world of finance to a T, right? Um, and well, suppose... it was it was all, it was a film all about <laughs> economic reform, <laughs> and everyone who was involved in it got ripped off. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> and I suppose, yeah, do you, do you see? So it left did... a bad taste in my mouth. There yeah. was a whole plagiarism thing, plagiarism, oh, plagiarism story in the middle of it as well. So <laughs> it doesn't. But it was a good, It was a. Nevertheless, despite everything, it was a popular film. Yeah, and I suppose, would you ever do one of those sort of yeah four sort of style documentaries? What like from then to kind of now and covid future bit is there like a you know a potential follow-up to that um if i if i could find the right partner to do it with i'd absolutely be all over it but you, you need a decent filmmaker um like what ross ashcroft did is is he was making other documentaries with people and at every point he just interviewed uh wherever he was he would a collect footage uh and 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 b try and land interviews so if some corporate video place had sent him to New York while he was in New York, he'd try and land an interview with two or three people in New York. And he just built up this library of, of, of roster of so many well-known people that he interviewed in that film. And, and that was one of the reasons why um, it, 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 it proved so popular. It's just there was so many you know, big cheeses who he interviewed. It was quite weird, really, because <laughs> so many of the people that he interviewed have got differing you know, there were some hardcore gold bugs in there. Then there was some, you know, left-wing statists and some, you, you, you know, Chomsky's got his thing and Stieglitz has got his view. And then there was that woman, Chakraborty or whatever her name was, who worked for that charity that was mired in scandal. And so there was a very differing worldviews. But mm. so that was why it was such a big job cobbling it all together to try and make something coherent. But it, as an economist, if you broke it down... Um, it's pretty inconsistent because <laughs> a lot of left wing guys are watching it going is this gold bug stuff is this pro gold which it was because i that was all my bit and then a lot of um right wing people going it's chomsky and it's stieglitz these are all status guys so yeah. you know there was a lot of inconsistencies but it was still it still worked it was a good film uh, very good. And I suppose kind of what's, you know, the next... But every, if you watch it, every time you watch it, know that every with every clip that film gets, with every share, that's another share that the contributors don't get paid. I will remember that. So everyone, everyone, don't don't click it. You know, watch it in preview mode. Don't actually, yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> make sure you rip it off and then republish it. I don't know. Yeah, uh, watch pirated. Watch the pi Oh, yeah, there you go. That, that's, that's a good privacy. But watch the pirated version. It's better for. Oh, everybody. that was another thing. There was a DVD <laughs> company. They released a DVD of it and sold loads of DVDs. And then apparently the DVD company went. The distributor went bust. Apparently, or never paid. Oh God. That was what we were told anyway. It's, it just it just keeps getting it's, it's the the story that keeps delivering and um yeah you know uh, there's there's you know just looking at your wall there's quite a lot of stuff there you've got you know quite a very varied 
history and work, you know, uh, uh, resume, everything you've got kind of going on. And, uh, you know, is it, is it more story writing for you that's interest? Is it more voiceover work? Is it more documentaries? What's kind of the next big driving thing that you kind of well, want I've, to do? Well, I mean, I narrated Four Horsemen and, uh, and uh, I do get quite a bit of, I do narrate quite a few documentaries and that's just like a job. Those jobs sort of come in and I've got me all, you can see there, I've got all my sound panels and all that. Oops, I've just lowered the thing here. And um, and so, yeah, I'll do those. I'll do comedy. I'll write songs. I'll write books. I'm just working on a project at the moment, which which is something to do with my dad who, who passed away in April. So there's there's plenty to keep me busy. Not all of it pays. Some of it pays much better than others. And you use you use the good paying stuff to subsidize the bad paying stuff, basically. Very cool. And uh, we see when uh, when covid eventually like dies so we get back to a, a semi-normal world we'll be at fringe fest again in the future yeah i, I hope to go up to edinburgh but i just don't know what's going to happen mm. you know the edinburgh festival is just people don't realize just what an event it is it lasts a whole month mm. the population of edinburgh is four hundred thousand people four million people come to edinburgh that month there are 195 countries in the world and there are visitors to edinburgh from 160, yeah. 80% of the world's countries. It's just an extraordinary, the only event in the world that sells more tickets is the Olympic Games. Yeah. It's just an extraordinarily large oh, event. Oh, it is. And yet yeah. Scotland has gone full, you know, militant about COVID and mm. Nicola Sturgeon, Looney Tunes, socialist. And um, we just, I don't know how it can exist yeah. uh, in the future and, unless, you know, because we're never going to get to zero COVID deaths we're just never going to get there mm. but the the attitude is until we get to zero covid deaths we need all these these um precautions in mm. place and so i don't know where it all ends yeah no i did it i did it once and it was you know an amazing experience we you know flew up on a friday night after work uh my colleague didn't have his passport luckily we were on a flight that didn't require one uh we thought oh well we'll go for one gig and then we'll go to bed and we went to bed about seven in the morning uh, you know, got up, had a haggis, did 14 events back to back somehow. Uh, and then still long day. Of, a, a long day into Sunday. Like it was, and we didn't even plan all this. We planned to see four and it was just, yeah. you know, there was people, there was tickets on the street. There was follow-ups to follow-ups and you found groups of people. And it was just this, like the, like the world Congress of comedy and the, and the people that come together there is, you know, the, from the spectators to the people that are performing there's i don't know it's just like a you know a, a, a community that's just so rich in you know really really good vibes it was uh you know, intoxicating in multiple ways I'll say that <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's fantastic you it. will just be walking down the street and somebody will go come and see my show it's free and you'll be like oh yeah i've got okay yeah, I've got, I've got okay yeah. i'll come and see your show yeah, yeah. yeah. and some and of so those guys like we, and some of those guys we see down in london now uh and they were like you know not an absolutely nobody but they were like a, a magic show and Okay, I'll, I'll I'll watch it, and it's really really good. And he had a really really good yep. comedy bit with it, and now he's a regular. Well, he was a regular at kind of several clubs, and I've followed his Facebook page for about seven years now. Um, something I would have never bothered to do, or, or wouldn't ever have done without yeah, that experience. Which that's I think right, awesome. and that's yeah. But that from his point of view, you know, that's why you do Edinburgh. You 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 get you get you make fans, and you, you know you you become a, a fan of his, and 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 you probably like. People like to own you. And and what I, what I mean by that is like, they like to be, yeah, I saw you before you were famous and I've watched you ever since. They like you, they like that process. So it, it works on both. It just It's just great. 
That's awesome. You know, if you're a young artist, you go to Edinburgh. If you're a football player, you want to go to the World Cup. If you're an artist, you've got to go to Edinburgh. So uh, I think it's a really good point we to uh, finish off the show today. Uh, I want to thank you again, uh, Dominic, for uh, for coming on the show and sharing some of your insights, some of your history, some of the you know projects we're working on. Uh, love all the books and make sure everyone goes and buys a legitimate copy from Amazon. Don't rip it off, off the internet. <laughs> Come on, be, be proper. Uh, Bitcoin, Future Money, uh, Daylight Robbery, uh, Life After the State, and uh, the audiobook uh, Shadow, uh, Shadow Punk Revolution. Shadow Punk Revolution. Is that going to be a paperback as well or just audio? No, it's only, I mean, it, you can buy the Kindle version on Amazon, but it's only, you don't want to buy that. You want to buy the audiobook. It's all about the, music the audio as well? experience. Yeah, okay, it's totally excellent. all about the music. And uh, what's the best way to get in touch? Is on Twitter or LinkedIn? How can people reach out? Uh, I am on LinkedIn, but I can't remember what my name, it'll just be Dominic Frisbee. And, uh, but yeah, Twitter, I guess, is the best way to, to awesome. stalk me. So make sure everyone uh, goes and stalks uh, Dominic, drop him a tweet. Um, and yeah, if anyone listening to the show wants to be on the show in the future, drop us a tweet at Coinbase Global. Drop us an email, podcast at coinbase.com. I want to thank Dominic again today for joining me and spending some time talking about crypto, uh, fintech, comedy, boxing, voiceovers, writing, books, all the good fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. We'll see you soon. Bye.